You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call one 858 The award-winning crunch time. The AFL has moved to immediately suspend the 2020 Toyota AFL Premiership season the conclusion of this weekend's matches. We'll also conclude the NAB AFL women's season as a result of the continuing spread of the COVID-19 virus. Games will be suspended until May 31, 2020. The whole world's hurting at the moment and uh, we've tried our best as an industry to, to soldier on and it's time for us, you know, where everyone's on their knees, but it's time for us to close our doors for a period of time and do it. Uh, what everyone else needs to do too, and that's uh, get isolated and stay safe. It's important for the community to get this virus in check, and, and we play a really big part in that. And you know, I think the AFL have done a great job of following what the government have, have given them and the health department, and now we need to play our role and, and not play the game that we love. Well, that was Sunday, March 22, when Gillan McLaughlin announced that the AFL was suspending the 2020 season. It's been 76 days since that announcement, but in just five days' time, footy finally returns. We'll dissect the round two fixture and have a look at the season ahead. Like, if you asked me if I felt comfortable walking back into the football club, I'd say no. Like, I don't walk into the change rooms and I don't sort of walk around. I just feel, I don't know, it's one of those things and I've had this conversation with a lot of my old teammates is that it's not a place that you feel... And you see lots of guys go back to their footy clubs and they feel welcome. For me, the Crows doesn't really have that vibe. I was really disappointed to hear it yesterday, to be honest. You know, for everything that Andrew's done for the club and what he's given to the club, for him to feel like that, when I first heard it, I thought, why Why would he feel like that? A lot of tweets I've seen, a lot of texts I've seen, uh, supporters saying, this is not right, the greatest player of all time doesn't feel good going back in the club, and you know what? It's not right, and it needs to be fixed, and Andrew needs to fix it himself, uh, along with people who are at the football club, but it takes, it's got to be two sides. Yeah, you, know, you certainly don't want it as a, a Dr. Phil episode, where you go out and you tell, you know, thousands of people and supporters and you know when we could probably get behind closed doors and, and trash it out and talk about it and it's certainly I don't want it to be a tit for tat either. More dramas for Adelaide this week with club legend Andrew McLeod publicly stating he does not feel welcome when he steps back into the football club. Good afternoon you are listening to Crunch Time. Our big show coming up for the next hour. We love your calls, 1300 736 736. You can get involved on the text line as well. Liam Pickering, as always. Pickers, good afternoon to you, buddy. Good afternoon, Kano. Yeah, good to be here. Uh, gee, we're getting close, aren't we? We're not far away from getting back into it, thankfully. 
Thankfully, thankfully, Pickers. We are five days away looking forward to having a look ahead of round two and some of the big games. It's going to be good to talk some selections, some injuries, some mm. footy, which we will do a little bit later on this morning. Sam Edmund, Chief Sports Reporter at SEN, along for the ride as well. Sammy? Good afternoon, Kano. Good afternoon, Picks. Good to be with you both. And yeah, it's uh, geez, like um, oh, the only thing missing is the advent calendar, isn't it? The five <laughs> sleeps to go. I want to start uh, with the comments you just heard from Andrew McLeod on his podcast. You heard the Crows board member Mark Rusciuto, and you also heard the head of their past players, Rod Jamison, and that's played out this week. The, the, the fascinating thing for me, Pickers, is not only he said it once, McLeod then doubled down and reiterated his thoughts again when many thought he was probably going to back away and distance himself from his initial comments after the criticism that he got from the likes of Jamison and Rusciuto. He did call for the club to be more authentic and to ditch the spin, and I reckon it's the seventh or eighth thing that has happened that hasn't been great for the Adelaide Football Club since they lost that 2017 grand final. But I want to ask you as a past player of the North Melbourne Football Club, uh, and Geelong, sorry I should say, how do you feel uh, going back to the Cats, um, and how do some of your teammates feel? Yeah, look, much better these days, I must say. It was hard when we first finished because I think there was a bit of distancing uh, with the ex-players from Bomber Thompson's crew, so when 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 they you know, we all retired and our crew, which is you know myself and Barry Stoneham and you know Tim McGrath, these type of guys, Mickey Mansfield and the like, when we all finished up, um, Brad Scholl, these sort of fellas, um, I, I don't think it was a very welcoming place originally. Uh, I think they've worked really hard with the past players, and you know we've got a very good crew now, and you know Chris Scott sort, certainly embraced it, and he was getting players back and inviting them into training, and I think it's a, it's a good place. Now, North Melbourne have always been very good. Uh, they've always invited you to everything. They've got 100 different functions a year that they invite me to, and I haven't been to a lot of them, I must say. Mm. Even the Geelong ones, I don't tend to go a lot. Um, because we broadcast the games, I, I guess it's not a massive big deal from my perspective to get into the rooms. But, yeah, it was. I think it's the same at any footy club. When you, when you finish, they've got to move on, and, and teams and clubs have to move on from the past, and they don't – Want to be, in my view, I don't think it's the right thing to be having pictures of all the old players up on the walls. Personally, I, I think it, you might have some history there, and, and there are parts of the club that have all that, and they have the players stand at Geelong and all that. But, yeah, so my view is that um, you make of it what you will. And I understand Andrew McLeod's position, but I don't think that's a rare thing. Uh, I don't think you see too many. I don't know what Port Adelaide's like, Kane. I mean,. Are they when you go in there? I mean, you you can be pretty controversial, so and and at, at times be critical, I guess. But yeah. how are they with you and and with some of the boys you played with? Well, I must say I've got a good relationship with the the club and the footy department. Some of the players are a bit frosty, um, and some of the players that are, you know I was reasonably close to, like Travis Boak and Ollie Wines, when I played, are, are reasonably frosty with me when I just see them in public, and that's you know clearly a, a result of yeah. some things I've said. Um, and even, you know, Bokey's probably publicly criticised me on the radio, which is fine. But um, when I see him, it's fine. But it's not like it used to be. I feel, I feel, I would feel awkward walking through the change rooms of the Port Adelaide Football Club. Like, like I just would. I think when you retire and you, you do feel that, it's not yours anymore. It's not the place mm. where you spent 15 years and you turned up every day and, and you called it home. The minute you retire, you do feel removed from the situation. Having said that, though, I've been to a number of functions. Like we had the, the Hall of Fame, which I was lucky enough to be inducted into 12 months ago, and it was magnificent. They had a big 
150th gala um, just in March this year, which was terrific. And I've hosted the Best and Fairest a couple of times. So th- there's no issue. I feel really welcome. I've got a great relationship with the CEO, Keith Thomas. And I genuinely love the place. But I, I think uh, as a member of the media in particular, you do like to distance yourself mm. a little bit from it. I was just really surprised from McLeod because he's an employee or he was an employee of the football club like he worked uh, in the AFLW program the club used his indigenous programs as well which he's developed so I was really surprised that he's actually not just a past player he's also a past employee of the club as well and probably speaks with a bit more knowledge than just your average past player but Sam it's the last thing the football club needed and whatever side you sit on and you know I'm, I'm interested to take calls on on anyone, he's not the first player probably to feel no. disgruntled after his left. I mean, Kevin Bartlett didn't speak to Richmond for fifty years, like, and now he's Richmond's <laughs> number one fan. Like, so please, it happens to it happens to AFL legends, and, and there's a number of examples of that. But Sam, it's it's probably just another thing that the Adelaide Footy Club didn't need. No, you're right, you're right there, Kane, and it's been made so public, of course. But there's almost two separate issues here. And is there any chance Andrew McLeod's actually in the majority rather than minority? And I, I say there's two different issues. Like there's the past player reunions, the premiership reunions, the functions that you speak of, which all past players, to the best of my knowledge, are, are made to feel welcome. And more than that, they're celebrated. And then there's what Andrew McLeod's talking about. Now, that's the access to the club. And he was there, as you alluded to, three days a week in an employee capacity. But the game's changed. You guys, I was really keen to ask you this afternoon, it's changed so much in terms of this, not just the professionalism, but the inner sanctum of clubs, the access, how many people can get in there, and it's much more professional now. Whether this is a feeling that Andrew's made public, that perhaps the majority of former players feel when they go to knock on the door to the change rooms at the club if they do that you know, long after they've retired. Well, I, I, I'm not sure because I haven't, really sought to do that like I haven't sought to go into the change rooms and and do that and you can only speak on your club now Andrew was critical part of his criticism came when you walk through the club that that level of history is gone Mm. but Mm. in to Adelaide's defense when Phil Walsh took over as coach of the Crows he instructed everyone to remove any individual photos and and get them down he didn't want Mm. it to celebrate any individual so no it was only the team success that he wanted to celebrate so Maybe you know they've they've wanted to keep Walsh's legacy there by not having individual photos yeah. up. But I, I think the word that the the crows have got to look at is authenticity. And I've been critical for probably three years. And when I say it, and, and people say you're always critical of the crows, it doesn't carry as much weight. When the club's best ever player says that the club lacks authenticity, then I think they stand up and, and take notice. So that's the word that probably really stung. The I, gu- club. I guarantee you when Andrew McLeod walks through the doors, every player knows who he is. Yeah. Every player would look at him in awe because I mean, he was a champion of their football club. So I'd, it wouldn't be a player thing. It might be the way the administration feels. It could be the coaching. You know, I don't think it would be Matty Nix, but just in the mm-hmm. coaching in general is, you know, coaches have got their own sort of idiosyncrasies, I guess. Um You'd be. You'd really need to. I reckon you'd need to do nearly a ring around if, if you really wanted to get to the bottom of what other clubs are like. There's enough people in the media. Like you go to Jonathan Brown at at Brisbane. You go to Brad Johnson at Bulldogs. You go to you, know, you go to all these guys, and just sort of say, "How are you perceived as an ex-player at your footy club?" I reckon there'll be a few of them in the same boat because I, I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a massive, un, un, a massively unusual thing. Mm. that people will feel uncomfortable because sometimes that's you feeling uncomfortable. It's no one else. <laughs> Kane, 
Kane, would Adelaide be entitled to wonder why Andrew didn't raise his feelings with them in private? I mean, far better in my line of work, I love it that he's he's made his thoughts public, and that's mm. what makes the world go around on my side of the fence. But would they not be entitled to wonder why he didn't raise it with them in a private sense? Yeah, probably. I think that's probably been the biggest criticism leveled from the club towards Andrew. And maybe some of the supporters have said, well, why didn't you just go and sit Andrew Fagan or mm. Mark Rusciuto or Matthew Nix down and say, this is how I feel. But I don't know whether he's tried to do that or whether he doesn't feel like he's got that relationship. I, I did note that Fagan and Chapman have tried to reach out to McLeod. Mm. He hasn't even returned their calls yet. So maybe that mm. says to me that the relationship isn't there, that he feels comfortable. He did. But he's obviously... Um, He's obviously got someone like Mark Rashudo, a premiership teammate who, who sits on the board and is a real mm. power broker there. And, I, and they've obviously spoken since the comments as well. So he said, Yeah, and he said he spoke to Matthew Nix and Taylor Walker. And the, the thing you've got to make sure where you get across is that Andrew did say he loves the club and he wants them to be better and he wants them to succeed. But it was just another one that I thought on the, on the back of all the players that they've lost, oh. the Adelaide Football Club, on the camp, on the Barossa, the DUI that they've had, this was the last thing that they needed. But I want to move on because the TV deal situation fascinates me. Yesterday, the Herald Sun, the, the number one paper in Melbourne, is reporting that the deal is some way away. But then I had Jake Nile on the captain's run and he's the chief footy reporter at The Age. He says it's reasonably close. Firstly, let's have a listen to Jake Nile on SEN yesterday. Well, I think, I think the most important thing here is that the deal, seven are close, but Foxtel are a fair way off in terms of what they want the reduction that Foxtel wants compared to um, where Seven are at, where there's a lot of the work is, is a lot of it has been agreed upon, and it's it's close to being done now. Until it's never done, until it's done, but it's I believe it's close. So pick is yeah. I guess the the players, the industry, the coaches, everyone is holding on to the fact that there will be a deal done. Now Caroline Wilson said that's going to happen before the start of the season. Time's running out. Um, but the players would be pretty keen to know uh, where their financial future stands. Absolutely, they do. Yeah, it's hard to get that real idea from a from a salary cap point of view until we know what the list size is going to be. You know, are they coming back to forty? Everyone seems to think that it looks like the number that they're that they're talking, which is a reduction. You know, in some cases, I think the Gold Coast have got something like fifty-one on their list. Mm. So I'm not sure whether they can do it in one uh, in one hit, but whether it's going to have to be over a couple of years, but. If they do bring the, the cap back, well, obviously, you know, then we can work out what the money is. The TV deal is a massive part of that because we need to know what's in the coffers before they can work out what the split-up is. So uh, Underpins everything, doesn't it? Oh, it does, yeah, in our game, especially when there's no crowds, um, which is which is obviously a concern. So what what's I found surprising is, is you've got the two main newspapers mm. in, in Victoria, <laughs> one saying it's close and one saying the exact opposite. <laughs> so Herald Sun's going with, opposite. we're barricading for, it's a long way off. Yes. And, and the age are going, we're barricading for it to get done and one of us is going to be right. <laughs> That's what I find that, amusing. Yeah, no, I, I found that a, a little bit amusing as well. Sam, can you shed any light on, on it? And are you confident that this needs to be done and, and will be done before next Thursday? Oh, it needs to be done quick. I don't know if Thursday's the deadline as such, but for all the reasons we just mentioned, it's the first domino to fall in a whole heap of dominoes that need to come thereafter. It sounds as though, from what I've heard, boys, that the real sticking point isn't as such 
um, renegotiating a deal for the here and now. It's the extension. So it's a two-year st- extension beyond that with Seven and Foxtel as well. And, you know, we know the trouble that Foxtel has been in financially. Obviously, there's a number of job cuts there. We know subscriptions have, would have been hard hit as well. And they've got every right to argue for a discount. I don't think that's in any doubt at all. You know, quarter lengths are back. There'll, there'll be no crowds as well. It's not even a full season. So I think this year... It's pretty much agreed, but it's the extension and the rubber stamping of that that's the sticking point at the moment and the figure that they can all settle on. I just wonder where Channel 9 fit in this. They've committed to their existing deal with the NRL, but they've invested heavily in AFL programming. I mean, they do three footy shows a week now, and when Channel 7 have just announced that a couple of theirs yeah, are Yeah, that was surprising. No longer, That's surprising, Kane. Well, yeah, I was, I was really surprised and concerned, to be honest, for the industry about game day, talking footy, and also the kick, which is supposed mm. to air before Saturday night footy. Um not going ahead or at least postponed indefinitely at the moment. But do you think there's room for Gil to say, well, let's just see out the two years left with Channel 7 and Foxtel. There's going to be a reduction, no doubt about that. But on the on the back of perhaps if things recover in the next two years, you might get some other bidders. It might be Amazon. Who knows what where, where Netflix or Telstra and these types of people are at. And also Channel 9. Is there a possibility Channel 9 could come in? Sam, do you think? Oh, yeah. Well, there's always a possibility, I suppose, isn't it? And um, the more competition, you know, it's like selling a home. The more competition you can get is obviously more competitive. Um, the competitive interest is, is better for the bottom line. I mean, it's $2.5 billion at the moment, isn't it, with Foxtel 7 and Telstra. I mean, we're, I think They're the consensus, we're not going to get we're not going to get anywhere near replicating that. We might not have got anywhere near that anyway. And then Foxtel contribute, what, two hundred? it was reported $217 million a year, and they've already made two of those... Uh, four payments for the year so far this season, and they've got the chance to broadcast one game. So mm. clearly it's going to come back a lot, and um, and perhaps so it should. But at that extension, I think that's that's the critical point for mine. And if nine can come in off the back of doing a deal with, a, with the NRL as well, then um, it, it augurs well for the comp. Yeah, well, I think the, the, the whole situation we're in has, has probably changed everything at the moment, hasn't it? You know, well, that's pretty obvious, is that, uh, you know, without the games... But G7 are heavily invested in sport, aren't they? Think about it. They've got the whole cricket. <laughs> so it's really seven are doing everything. You know, they had the racing. They had the, the racing. They got the Olympics. Man, they big, bash in, was a, big, big Bash wasn't a great move for them either. They tried to offload that. Yeah, well, yeah, it was a, it was a great product when 10 had it. It's still, mm. a, good, still a very good product. Mm. Uh, it was a bit of a flat year this year, I thought, um, the Big Bash. But... Gee, they've invested in cricket over the years. How much have they invested in tennis? Nine, we know now, have got tennis. So they've they've gone down. They've gone away from their from their traditional sport, which is cricket, and gone to tennis. And Channel Seven have gone away from their traditional sport, which is tennis, and gone to cricket. So yeah, it's strange. And then on top of that, footy has always been a seven product, yeah. apart from one you know fleeting period where Channel Nine had it. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. If you want to join in the conversation this morning, Sam, you've got some details on how travel will look, in particular North Melbourne and Essendon. Oh, he loves so, this. He oh, loves this. this. They're heading. They're heading to New South Wales. How's it going to look? You beat me to the punch pickers because <laughs> I know you think it. I'm a dog, dog with a bone with this. Oh, you, you can't believe that these two teams are going to be on the same <laughs> yes. plane. Oh, no, actually, you know what? I'm more fascinated by how they're going to kill the time because. <laughs> North Melbourne and Essendon are flying at 8 o'clock next Sunday. 
Essendon don't play until 3.30 in the afternoon. Some people might rightly say, oh, gee, first world problems. First world problems, indeed. Indeed. And they're going to be bussed onto the plane, onto the tarmac. It's all going to be very serious. But then they're going to get there, Essendon. They will be bussed to a hotel where they're just going to twiddle their thumbs. Of course, Kane, you can't do a lot. There'll be very, very strict protocols in place about not mixing with anyone, not seeing anyone, not coming into contact with anything. And then they go and play their game. Meanwhile, at the other end of that, North Melbourne go to that hotel after their game against GWS, and they have to kill a few hours as well. So it's going to be a massive day. It'll be interesting as the two guinea pig clubs, how it goes, because these guys are going to be up at 6 a.m., home at midnight, and then back up quickly for the next week as well. Yeah, you'd rather be um, North Melbourne, I reckon. Get there, play. Get your game and then on. Have, mm. Yeah, and then have the couple of hours after where you can just sit back and relax, maybe do some recovery at the hotel. Whereas... Essendon, there's nothing worse than just sitting around and waiting to play. But as you say, first world problems and they'll sort it out. Interested to see you know, how they separate them on the planes and things like that. But, uh, yeah. do, do you get the front seat on the way there yeah. and the front seat yeah. on the way back, like with I, your siblings? I don't think it's a real matter. It doesn't really matter, guys. They're going to get on with it. They're going <laughs> hey, to go no, on for in, <laughs> in all seriousness, it'll be interesting what happens the following week, Kane. Obviously, with GWS and Sydney potentially sharing the flight down to Melbourne. Now, GWS play on Friday against the Dogs. Will they then make GWS hang around all the way until Saturday afternoon until Sydney are done playing North Melbourne at 1.45? Surely not. Mm. Surely. There's a chance that could happen. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, they'll just, again, recover and all that sort of stuff. I mean, I, I don't think this is an issue at all, my view. I, I think no, it's, it's a quirk. It's a quirk. Oh, I don't it's a quirk, think the clubs, the clubs aren't complaining. Yeah, but, 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 Sammy, we're, we're dealing with quirks. We've got eight, we've got eight weeks in a hub for these Bloody poor Western Australians and South Australians. They're up in Queensland for eight weeks. I'm one living in a hotel. Want, <laughs> uh, one thing you won't want is delayed planes, though. Like, I caught a plane from Adelaide to Melbourne the other week and it was delayed four hours. No, like, nightmare. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not sure what happens to teams I was think- that need to pl- play a game of footy. Yeah. Like, I was thinking four as well. I was thinking the exact same thing. These fly yeah. in and fly out on the day has got whiskers on it. Yeah. You go to Sydney. I don't. Reckon, I can't remember the last time I flew to Sydney where I, where I actually went away on time and got in on time. They're, they're chartered planes, though, so in that yeah, sense, there sh- mm. shouldn't be shouldn't be a problem. But yeah, if there is, it goes from a quirk to a very serious problem straight away, doesn't it? Are they landing at yeah. Tuller though? Are they landing at yeah. Tuller Marine? Yeah. Well, you get a you get a you get a bank up of uh, at any of those major airports of of mm. flights that can't so- land because it's too windy. So, yeah, well, yeah, weather could be a problem, that's cool. for sure. But sadly, there's little chance of a, a, a bank up of planes at the moment, given not many people are flying. But all it takes is some fog. Like, it's all it takes for, for planes to be delayed. Yeah. You can't land in, in low fog and, and high winds, as pickers are saying. So, touch wood, it doesn't happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if it did. Hey, just, we're up and running on... Hey, do you yep. see this just before we go to a break? Um, last year, the final, the Giants and the Dogs. Remember the, the delays and cancellations because of yes. that really windy day? Yeah. Yep. Um, now, imagine if they were travelling on the day. Look, fans couldn't get there. That's that true. Game. I think I think Chris Grant was half hour late to that game. Mate. Yeah, so that that yep. can happen. So the, the weather is a concern, and I mean we live in Australia, so we know what the wind can get up. Mm, get involved. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Up next, we're going to hear from Gillam McLaughlin. He spoke on a whole range of things, including the chance of crowds to be there for the grand final. He's pretty ambitious about that. What do the hubs look like? We'll hear from Gil next. And then a little bit later on, we'll look ahead to round two. You are listening to Crunch Time. Liam Pickering, Sam Edmund in the house. 
Yeah, we'd love for you to get involved as well this morning. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. How did you feel about Andrew McLeod's comments? If you're an Adelaide fan, we'll take your calls on that. Eddie's in another feud. Eddie McGuire, gee whiz, pickers, you were sick of his feuds last week. Well, he's had another one. Him and Koshy are going head-to-head this week. Over the uh, issue that is wearing the prison bar jumper, which I'm a, a little bit sick of. We might get onto that a little bit later on. But Gillam McLaughlin has spoken. He sat down with Damo on AFL Media yesterday and was asked about the chance of uh, crowds this year at the footy. Every day that goes past, I think we get a bit more confident. I've said this, we, we have detailed uh, plans almost by venue about how we bring crowds back under different scenarios. Um, I feel um, a sense of commitment to our, our members, our supporters, our fans to, to try and do that if it's safe. So we'll be ready. Um, I'm more optimistic than I was. I think there's, a, there's a certainly a chance in some form, yeah. In some form, Sam, any ideas what that will look like? And the hardest part for clubs is going to be decide who, who gets the access. Is it the corporates? Is it, is it charities? Or is it rusted on fans that have supported the club for a long time? Can you shed and a light I think on, on you what can, you think? You, yeah, you can make an argument for every one of those parties, if you like. I mean, the NRL now is stating it'll be July when they get round five, that they get uh, fans back in there on a on a bigger basis. Peter Volandi saying any time from July 1. But clearly, New South Wales have come to the party there. They're going to treat corporate boxes at stadiums in the same way they treat pubs and clubs. So what that means for GWS, I mean, potentially that's optimistic. I was having a chat to Stuart Fox at the MCC during the week on uh, Waitley there and he said I wouldn't get excited about the next few weeks from a crowd perspective but certainly beyond that so again Mm. that points to July and depending on the government advice and the health authorities and all those things we know that um, a staged return looks likely I mean Gillan McLaughlin guys said he couldn't rule out having 100,000 fans at the grand final he said that on ABC radio yesterday I cannot see how that happens Mm. without a vaccine in place but um, hey as he said you can dare to dream Things, well, are changing. Things are changing all over the uh, country at the moment, Sammy boy. They are. Let's so, hear that, um, that little clip from Gillan McLaughlin. Uh, his ambition to have a full grand final this year. I still haven't ruled out. I, I love the thought of a, of a full grand final. I think you, you've got to be ready and you've got to dream, but we've got to do it in the way that works in with where our governments are in our communities. A full 100,000 MCG. You're not going to rule that out yet? It's, a, it's, a, um, it's an ambition. Put it there. Hmm. You've got to have ambitions in life. Yeah. I like it. No, I like the way you're thinking. Yeah. Belandis would have already locked in at 100,000. If you could get it, if they could get 100,000 to a rugby game, they'd already be going. Yeah, look, I think nah. it's, it's, we can see that it's, it's, it's loosening up everywhere. You know, we see it at pubs and clubs and all of a sudden the other states, Queensland, and, you know, West Australia going to have 300 people going to pubs soon. You know, it won't take long. Things, yep. are gonna, things are moving quickly, provided we don't have a massive breakout. Exactly. I was just going to say, we don't want another couple of clusters to come out because it's only going to take a couple of those for us to be put back on our heels yeah, pretty quick, I would have thought, Kane. But yeah, I mean, it's all it's all trending the right way, which is... And it and it, as we've learned since uh, since the start of the year, how quickly it can change, for, for better or for worse. We did see the uh, Perth-based clubs pack up and head off to the hubs uh, this week. They're packing a lot of equipment. Clearly, it's going to be a, a tough situation for them. Gil was asked yesterday about how long he thinks uh, these four teams are going to be holed up in a hub for. Uh, what I'm very clear on is that, the, that we need to provide certainty sooner rather than later for those players about how long they'll be in those hubs. And we're working on that. We're working on 
the optionality, talking to governance, governments and health officers and others so we can provide a framework for them going forward. So that doesn't guarantee they're going home at the end of round four, but what is committed over the next week or two, we've got the certainty about what that timing looks like. Sam, any ideas when the second block of fixture will be out? I was under the illusion it may have almost been out by now. Can you shed any light on when you think the AFL are keen to release the, the next block of games? Uh, Trevor Solds on record is saying that it would be round three that they would release okay. the next fixture, but that might be put back, uh, Kane, maybe even to re- the last week or as late as humanly possible, just given those border restrictions in WA shown no sign of easing whatsoever there with the Premier Mark McGowan saying he's pretty much sick to death of talking about uh, the two West uh, West Australian-based footy clubs when there's bigger issues at play. But should those quarantine restrictions and border restrictions stay in place, guys, I, I'd wait for it. And it would only be fair that the rest of the clubs share the burden. So that means there's a hub in Perth, almost certainly should that um, that restriction not be eased. And I think you can expect to see some clubs heading over there for a hub for sure. Well, Adam Simpson, the coach of West Coast, was asked about that and maybe the requirements upon them when they do return to Western Australia. If we do go for four or five weeks and we come back, there's a a fair chance we might have to quarantine for another two. Mm. Which isn't ideal, Pickers. Hardly (laughs) ideal. They've they've, they've copped about eight weeks on the Gold Coast and then they're stuck at home for two weeks. That'd be bloody hopeless. (laughs) Let's be honest. Detraining and things like that. Oh. So yeah, it's a, it's a nightmare all around. But anyway, we've got some footy coming up in five days, so we might cast our eye ahead to some of the biggest games. Collingwood and Richmond, seven forty next Thursday night is going to be fascinating. Ooh. Which one are you most looking forward to? Geelong and Hawthorne's also going to be a cracker at GMHBA. Your mob pick is mm. he? Are you? Ex- I'm ex- I'm, I didn't have either of them in, in my eight prior to coronavirus striking, but now that Geelong aren't going to leave home, basically, and I think Hawthorne and Clarko might be up to something this year, I've got them both in the mix again. Yeah, I have too. Um, look, I, I think it hard, it's hard to beat Geelong at Geelong. We know that. That's obvious. Yeah. But oh, without the crowd, a couple of goals, probably they make up, I reckon. The crowd at Geelong, the ground itself really is probably the majority of the advantage. Uh, I do think Hawthorne are a good team. Uh, admittedly, I didn't have them at the start either. I've dropped off a couple and I've stuck by. Oh, I had the July the Cats in because, regardless of this, they they just win at home. Like that's just what it is. Uh, I think it'll be a tough one at home to start off. They're not playing the Gold Coast at home. They're not playing one of the weakies. Yeah. <laughs> they're, play, they're playing a good side. <laughs> so it's not going to be. Uh, it's not going to be an easy game for them Friday night, but. Uh, I thought they were pretty good in round one, Geelong, to be honest. I mean, it was a long time ago. They went up. I thought they'd get absolutely pantsed. And they were in that game for a long time against the Giants, who were good, very good. Um, so I don't think they'd be – and they'll be fit. Like, they'll be – you know, they haven't got too many injury concerns. Uh, the Hawks obviously have lost O'Meara, um, who doesn't look like he'll play anyway. So he's a big out for them, Jager. So, uh, but they get Tommy Mitchell back. So, I mean, that sort of helps. I know he played round one, but – you know, they've got a, pretty much a fresh player this year. So now that'll be a beauty Friday night. Thursday night's the one that I'm really looking forward to. It's I've just got a feeling about these... Uh, Collingwood. These pies. Yeah, yeah I do. I, I've just got a feeling that they're in this sweet mm. spot at the moment. 
I reckon Dagoe absolutely tore it apart. <laughs> tore it apart on Thursday to practice match. Kick six or seven. Yeah. I reckon he just absolutely Has he got a manager yet, Picks? No, no, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Sign him up. Oh, well, Come yeah. on, Picks. He, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I think he was – I'm trying to think if he played on Howe again. I think he gave Howe another touch-up. He seems to get him every time. But in the in this in this hit out that I heard had the other that I heard about the other day, uh, they said, "Oh, he was just so powerful." So he kicked a few goals, kicked six or something, and then went into the midfield. And so you got him. You've got everyone else on the list is pretty fit. I think Mason Cox might be in a little bit in doubt. The Tigers, well, the Tigers are the Tigers. They're bloody good. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. But so that'll be the match of the round for mine. Collingwood Richmond Thursday night. Can't wait. Saturday's a ripper as well. Brisbane just just need to win after disappointing in round one against Hawthorne. Yeah, they'll win at home. Fremantle, so they'll, they'll, they'll win. But uh, the game that I'm most looking forward to is Carlton and Melbourne. There I mean, both lost yep. in round one. Um, you know, the the honeymoon period for your boy David Teague's probably you know, is not coming to an end. Oh, but please, he's had one game this year. Well, <laughs> no, on. he's, he's he's had last year. He's yeah, well, he pumped up well last year. year. <laughs> he, got, he got the job. I said it's coming to an end. Oh, it's coming it to an end, and it's certainly coming to an end for, uh, for Simon Goodwood at Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, so it's a spell it's coming a, to an end. Well, he's coached one game <laughs> <laughs> it's not, in his standalone position. It's not coming to an end. Oh, come on, Kate. I know. But it oh. is for Simon Goodwin. <laughs> uh, boy, does he need a win. So I think if, if we're looking ahead to the – I always judge the pressure gauge by who's going to lead the agenda on the Monday night footy shows. And there's a number of them, 360, and they used to be talking footy and classified. The loser of this game, I reckon, leads the shows, and if it's Melbourne in particular. So for Goody, who was smashed in round one and finished 17th last year, uh, it's a massive game, Carlton and Melbourne. No, no doubt. No, it is game. It is. And there's a game on Sunday that I know you're going to get to shortly that's equally as big for the same sort of reasons. They're not the games of the round, but from a consequence point of view, and I'm speaking of the Western Bulldogs in the same basket as Melbourne, they're quite severe for a shortened season. Yep, we'll get to that shortly. The showdown is going to be big. Gold Coast and West Coast, well, no issues there for West Coast on the Saturday night. Sunday, the Giants, I think I've got a feel, if you've got a feeling about Collingwood, I've got a feeling about the Giants. Yeah, like, they're, they're right just in the mix. So no powerful, they midfield-like. And I interviewed Toby Green on the radio the, the other day, and I said, oh, where have you been playing? He said, well, forward, because I can't get into the midfield. There's just too many <laughs> midfielders midfield. <laughs> that we've got. And now they've got a, a, a decent ruckman in Sam Jacobs, who will, who I think will be a great addition for them. So um, Jeremy Cameron's in his prime, and him and Toby Green will be, will be fascinating in the front half. So they take on your old mob, North Melbourne. Sydney and Essendon also without Buddy. Big game there for Essendon and St Kilda and the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs can't lose. I think that's the game you're alluding to. Sammy, yep. they were really yep. disappointed in round one after everyone pumped them up in the preseason. Um, they're under the pump against the Saints who were reasonably impressive in round one. Um, I thought. I thought the game style was there. They faded out late and lost the game that they should have won, but that's going to be a big one for the Dogs. Yeah, you you back them though. You back them though for mine. I I bought into the high preseason. I think they're going to be thereabouts. And but the Saints though, they're going to be tough. I think they've got only that one bloke not on the track at the weekend, and that was Dara Joyce and their intra club. Sorry, today. So they've got one guy on the injured list. So they're up and going. That'll be a tough game for the Dogs too at Marvel. I I had a a, uh, spy of mine went down and watched them have a hit out the other day as well. Mm. The Saints and said Max King was marking everything. Yeah, everything. Uh, apparently they were very sharp, the Saints. I don't think this will be a walk in the park for the dogs. 
And the, the dogs, win. the dogs had a stinker first up, but they come up against, in my view, the team that'll win it in Collingwood. Yeah. Um, so they're up against a good opposition, but they were they were exposed badly. A really oh. bad first up. Now they're better than that. We know. No, Lockie Hunter as well, obviously. And obviously, that. and he's a good player. So the two teams that that have have most to lose by not performing in some sort of capacity at a level are the Bulldogs and, and Melbourne. They're the yeah. two real obvious ones. I think everyone else you sort of can go through them and go, well, we sort of don't expect this, we don't expect that. We can't see Fremantle beating Brisbane and Brisbane. We, we think Adelaide are young and rebuilding. They're not going to beat Port. West Coast should handle Gold Coast. You know, you go through them all. North might be competitive against the Giants. They won't beat them. Sydney and Eston's a flip of the coin. And then you go to the, the Saints and the Dogs and you think, well, if St Kilda do a number on the Dogs, dear, oh dear, it's a horrible mm. start. It will be. I'm fascinated with the Saints for how they just structure up as well. Can, can you play Ryder and Marshall in the same team with shortened quarters? The, the two ruck situations fascinating for me across the whole comp, but St Kilda are the glaring one with that because they've got two genuine ruckmen that are in their best 22, but neither of them want to play forward, which creates an issue, and both of them are better in the ruck. But one, can, think, one can play forward, and yeah. that's Paddy Ryder. He can, but he's never really embraced it. He's, he's a goal-a-game sort of guy, um, Paddy Ryder. And, and, but you've got to invest in Marshall because I think he's the next captain of the Saints. Like he's, he's, I love him. I think he's going to be an outstanding player, so you can't take it away from him. So two rucks is interesting for me. And don't forget from Thursday night, AFL Nation's calling every game live. You'll hear Waitley, Hutto, Dwayne, Bob, Terry Wallace, Daisy Pierce, Pickers himself, Adam Cooney, Nick Del Santo, and all of the crew back in action from Thursday night. Looking forward to doing that. Uh, what did we make of the Hall of Fame? It was a big week. I mean, Loved you're never it. really going to hear any complaints about any entries and inductees into the Hall of Fame, but I thought I thought well, we they nailed did. it. We, we did, though. Yeah. Yeah. There's a story in the age today I'm reading that the Hall of Fame oh, is fast is... turning into an All of Fame, is the headline. Peter Ryan, wasn't what it? What does that yes. mean? What does he well, mean? The, Sorry, the, he's a the doors day, have Pete. been... The argument picks is that the doors have been opened too easily for the modern day player, and far too many modern day players are getting in with, uh, I guess, uh, the the accusation is inflated resumes compared to players of yesteryear on, that have on, sort of out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, I know. But let, let's. So, who was inducted from the modern crew? Simon Black and Jonathan Brown, <laughs> and Lenny Hayes, and Lenny Hayes. Oh, come on. <laughs> Like, and and Dean Cox, oh, come yeah. on! I think they're all all worthy in you know entrance if you like into the thing. And John Kennedy Senior, I loved, I love that. You know, just to, he was he's just such a great person, been such a great footy person, and his record was yeah. You know, we know he got a coach. He he's, he was at at Hawthorne, in particular, and when he coached us at North, but at Hawthorne, and then uh, you know captain of Hawthorne and four best and fairest and everything else he's done for the game. Um, if you've got a statue out at your footy club, yeah. you probably should be in the Hall of You're Fame in, as a yeah. legend. As a legend. And they have changed hey. the rules as well, Sam. Like, it used to be yeah. three years upon retirement you were eligible. It's now five, so that does mm. open up the door for more of the older players to get in. They've recognised two of the older players, one from the 50s and 60s in John Abley and then Greg Phillips as well, who did his work mm. you know, started in the 70s and finished in the 90s and, and a couple of South Australians. So they are recognising players outside of Victoria, which is, was once a criticism, and then yeah. they're also recognising the old players as well. So is there I an, thought the mix was spot on. Is there a number per year that they put in? Like, I mean, we know they put in eight. They put in eight per year. No, you, you, you can yeah. put in up to eight. Up to eight. Okay. So you got one. One can go from Hall of Fame in Hall of Fame to Legend. Well, the, the rule it's it's ten percent of the inductees 
can be a legend. So I'm not sure if that means that not not every year. I don't think they no, elevate a legend, but it's ten, it's ten percent yeah, okay. of the pool can the, be the a stat. Legend. Pete Ryan goes with guys. I'm not saying I agree with this one. He stretches that um, more than half of those inducted since 2010 played in the 2000s. So that's his that's his stat that he's yeah. that he's hanging that on. You know, one thing I did like is that obviously any year you'd much rather it be in front of a, a live audience. You know, they pack the Crown Palladium out, and it's a they say it's one of the great nights of the year. It is. But one thing I liked was the inductions to a night is that there was no danger of anyone being lost in the wash or overshadowed. They all got their moment yeah, in the sun did. for a day before we moved on to the next one. Yeah, agree with that. If you know of anyone, if you've got a suggestion who needs to be inducted who isn't yet, let us know. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 I like the fact that Ablett and Dunstall and Kerry are just waiting. I mean, these guys are young enough to get elevated to a legend at some point. But Gary that was Senior must be very, very yeah, close. Very close. Gee, I, I be... like, though, I like that they've recognised John Kennedy Senior. In oh, his 90s, he's, he's still, you know, so I think that is... Ornament of the game, John. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Hey, uh, we've still got plenty more to get through. A lot of talking points, which we will do on the other side of this. We might talk about the latest feud with Eddie Maguire. It seems to be one or two a week. You are listening to Crunch Time. If you want to get involved, one 736 736 you are listening to Crunch Time, Liam Pickering, Sam Edmund, Kane Corns with you. Eddie Maguire got himself in another feud this week. He said that he wasn't going to get involved in this one, but then he went on for another couple of minute rants and threatened legal action and accused David Kosh of lacking courage. Let's have a listen to Eddie on Port's desire to wear their prison bars. David doesn't have the guts to tell his supporters that it's finished. Okay, Now, when they tried to run the magpie out of town... We came in to support them. Now, David, to his credit, has always been a strong supporter of the magpie. You're not and you can't wear it. So the AFL can't approve this? No, they can't. They can't. Well, they can. Well, they can if they want to go to court. If they want to have a... If they want to go... If they don't do... If the AFL Commission doesn't do what it's there for, i.e. protect its clubs and its trademarks, then they're going to really get into some... I thought it was Scott... Mm, Let's have a listen to Koshy responding on Radio 5AA. You'd have to be pretty mean-spirited not to allow us to wear the prison bar next year in a showdown after all that's happened this year in our 150th anniversary to to play with it in front of our own crowd. Mean-spirited. I think there's a simple solution. I'm almost sick of talking about it. It comes up every year. Can the AFL just come over the top and say, look, this is it. This is the final ruling. Port can wear it once a year. Be that in a showdown, a home showdown, and we move on. Is that too simplistic, Sam? Cue the Groundhog Day music. Where's Bill Murray oh when, when you need him? But I tell you, oh. I'm with you. I might be in the minority. I don't see the big deal. They're not wanting to put a magpie on the jumper. No. It's the black and white, the prison bar, once a year, in another state, as part of the showdown. What am I missing here, Pix? You're not missing anything. It's quite childish. It's, it it's quite pathetic, to be honest. I mean, at the end of the day, look, I'm not sure. The AFL should just, as you say, just, just say, look, this is how, this, this, this is how it's going to work. Port, in a showdown, you can wear the prison bars. When you play Collingwood, you've got to wear your teal colours or whatever it is. I mean, it's pretty straightforward, I would think. I would, wouldn't it. think why they're running around asking for Eddie's permission for everything. Just get the Probably AFL soft. to do the bloody dirty work. Yep. I, I, I think it's a, it's a moot point, to be honest. I, I just think let's just move on from it. To me, it seems childish. And it's an argument it that it's just 
Can't wait for the footy to start, so I don't have to listen to this garbage, yeah. to be honest. Five days away. Uh, Pickers, we've been, uh, and you in particular, have been all over the NAB League. We've sort of been having a running development weekly. <laughs> Has there been any further developments this week? What are, what are the kids you're speaking to um, hoping that they'll get out of this year? Well, I think they had another catch-up the other night. I'm just trying to uh, work out whereabouts. I'm going to find this message. Because it's uh, it was a really unusual one for me to get. Well, whilst you find that, let's have Where a listen to Gil. Yeah. Uh, Gil spoke about um, his hope for a draft this year. Yeah, we're, we're committed to try and get the NAB League way to an extent to get some exposed form for the the kids who are putting their hand up for this year's draft. But <clears throat> yeah, we're certainly planning on having the draft in twenty twenty. It's an important part about the way our industry works. Well, there you go. They're hoping to have a draft. There will be a draft. There'll be a draft, um, yeah. But well, they'd, they'd want to get some games away. Yeah, well, there's no real up- – surprise, surprise. There's no real update yet on when the season starts. <laughs> Just hopeful that there's a mini season in September, October. Yeah. Uh, no NAB League staff or club staff or coaches are returning to their jobs until at least the end of August. So mm. <laughs> they're not going to be playing before then. So mm. anyway, I don't know. I just – Wish there was some more direction in these kids. I mean, we know when the South Australians are playing. We know when everyone else is playing. The NAB, the school footy's back. But anyway, we just keep saying the same things and uh, not getting the result, unfortunately, at this stage. So hopefully we can uh, hear something that'll be a bit more positive than what we're hearing. Uh, it wasn't a great story for Scott Gowans, a North Melbourne yeah, AFLW tough. coach. This was no. on the back of, of your mate Mark Robinson saying the AFLW was untouchable. That was never going to happen. It was a ridiculous column. Uh, let's have a listen to Scott Gowans um, about the decision, and I thought he handled it magnificently well. Yeah, it, it was. It was a lot of disappointment, but I'm not. I'm not emotionally disappointed. I think because it wasn't though they um, they were sitting there saying, "Oh, your coaching's no good. You haven't got the ability." It was. It was based on something that was out of my control. And I often say to the players, "You know, you've got to control what you can control." And yeah, that's that's been the thing of the day really for me. Is that it was. It's completely out of my control. Mm, yeah, so well, it's probably a, well, it's a sign of the times. Really, he he won't be the last one to suffer the effects of this. Well, I think what's happening is and. You know, it's it's tough on Scotty because he's done a bloody good job. He really has. They might have won the flag. Yeah, well, exactly. But in these, these times, they're looking at guys that can – the multi-skilled guys, I guess. Darren Crocker's obviously been doing other things at, at the club as well, but also um, – well, he's coached AFL footy in his own right. He's, he's been caretaker twice, um, and he's coached a lot of footy. So coaching had he's got ticked off, and maybe he's got some other stuff that, that they thought he was more suited to – then Scott, unfortunately, I and mean, it doesn't mean Scott won't get a job. I mean, you know, I don't think anyone could say that he's not a good coach. He seems to be loved by his players, mm. and he's done a fa- fabulous job at North Melbourne. So, but Darren Crocker's been around a long time, and Darren Crocker's got a very good coaching record himself. So, you know, if that's that looks to me like the way it's landed, without knowing anything, you know, myself, you know, that's that's more clear than that, I guess. And Sam, before we go, just a bit of news through. ASADA have come to an agreement to test all of its staff for COVID-19 before they test the AFL players. Now, initially, it was almost laughable that they weren't going oh. to have to be COVID tested before they tested the players, considering that every player and every staff member that has contact with the players is tested twice a week. This was ridiculous. So at least ASADA have come to their senses. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't believe they wouldn't be tested uh, given um, they will be testing the players throughout and be coming in such close proximity to the players. But I don't know if this is wrong and now outdated, but at last check when I made a couple of calls on this, the staff at the hubs 
in Queensland were going to be coming and going as well. So without really stringent testing either, which I thought was staggering, given that that the sacrifices the players and clubs are having to make and how strict it all is and the testing, they can't even play golf. (laughs) And yet the chef can come and go without. I just, surely that can't be right. Sounds strange. (laughs) Sounds strange, but... Again, well, once they let's get them in there and let's just see. We'll get the general feel for it pretty quick. Like we'll get the feel for what they're really struggling with and and what the if there is double standards, whether they you know, Surely, whether, yeah, common sense will prevail. Surely. Yeah, at the moment we're just we're spitballing what might happen. We don't know until they get there. I mean, I'm sure it'll be run well. I'm sure the clubs will embrace it, and I'm sure that uh, we'll see some unbelievably good footy come Thursday. Mm. Well, boys, this time next week we will have oh, thank had two games to have, to be speaking about next Saturday morning, which we can't wait for. Hopefully, so you, you hopefully guys... got a stack of hamstrings as well, Kane. <laughs> well, I think there's a possibility of that. I, I hope the clubs get through this weekend because there's going to be a number of scratch matches this mm. weekend. They're already underway today, and hopefully there's not significant injuries this week. But uh, you guys have a good week, and we'll catch up again next week. Pickers, thank you to you. Good on you. Thanks, Kano. Thanks, Sammy. See you, Good boys. on you, lads. Have a good ride today, Picks. <laughs> you know I don't ride. You. As always, good luck with your punting today, Pickers. Thanks for your company this morning. Stick around on SEN right throughout the day. We've got you covered. And next week, we'll be back with Crunch Time, and there'll be plenty of action to talk about. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll speak to you next week. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91